0: Hello and welcome back to Franklin Covey's twice weekly podcast on leadership with Scott Miller. I'm your host each week, 25 plus year associate of the Franklin Covey Company, where I am privileged each week to join you both on audio and video for what is now the world's largest weekly leadership podcast. Six years going, 250 plus episodes where every week we turn our spotlight onto someone who we think Can help you become a better leader perhaps that person is an internal author or thought leader in what is the world's most trusted leadership company franklin covey or perhaps it's one of our friends or colleagues or someone who we've partnered with to collaborate on their own intellectual property maybe to make you a better operations leader better finance leader maybe it's someone who survived a tragedy or researched a topic that will make you in fact a better parent or school teacher or government leader and then there are certain people that have had remarkable journeys that none of us can relate to and just make you more grateful for what you have in life. And that is the feature of today's interview. Today is going to be a little bit different interview because we're going to feature two co-authors of a book that has riveted me the last several months as I have been reading it. And the reason I say months is because this is a book that, as an American, as a member of a free society it was a watershed of reflection and gratitude for stories, experiences I can't even comprehend. I, I don't read fiction. You can see behind me in the set, I read several hundred nonfiction books a year. But if I were to read fiction, this, I think, would be the most outrageous story I've ever read. And I am honored today to be interviewing the two co-authors. Jihoon Park and her co-author, Saylin Che, have written this book called the Hard Road Out, One Woman's Escape from North Korea. The authors are joining us today, respectively, from Manchester, England, and from South Korea, different times of the day in the world, and we are honored to feature their story. Ji Ji-hyun Park and Seilin Che, welcome to On Leadership.
1: Thank you so much for having us.
0: Ji Hyun welcome as well from Manchester, England.
1: Thank you so
2: much for inviting me. To
0: it is such, a, such an honor to have the two of you here there is such an interesting collaboration between the two of you because uh, Ji Hoon, this is your story primarily of life and your escape, your traumatic, indescribable escape from the oppressive regime in North Korea. Saylin Che, you also are South Korean, and you, together with your friend Ji Hoon, tell this story. And there are so many intricacies about. Your upbringings, your similarities, your differences. Uh, my first question will be to, to Say Lin. What comes across in the book is such an interesting dynamic between you and Ji Hoon because to the world you're both Korean. You both are from the Korean Peninsula. You, of course, were South Korean, and Ji Hoon, North Korean. Each of you were raised with different expectations and thoughts around what you thought of each other as societies. Say Lin, would you perhaps first address the the challenges that you and ji Hyun had to overcome to collaborate on this book from two very different life upbringings, but so many commonalities that you discovered along the way as North Koreans and South Koreans, both Koreans, to write this masterpiece the hard road out.
1: This is going to be a perfect way to dive into the book. Um, To put this uh, in a little bit of context, um, I grew up uh, when I was in uh, South Korea, uh, attending primary school, I I was told that North Korea was um, a communist regime, that North Korea was evil, that North Koreans had those red horns on their heads, and that I was never ever supposed to uh, talk to them, nor address them at all. And that's the brainwashing I grew up with. And um, that has sort of uh, stayed in me in the adolescent, in the adulthood that I became, and all the way until I, I met uh, jian totally by accident, um, it was that little child that had grown in me that was there in front of her thinking to myself, oh my God, but what am I supposed to say to her? How am I supposed to behave? My father always told me never talk to North Koreans, and what am I going to do now? So all this confusion in my head, as I'm sitting in front of her, um, mm. I was replacing uh, uh, an interpret uh, translator, because this person was sick. So last minute I was replacing her to, uh, to um, shoot a documentary called um, the other interview on uh, life of uh, Paktiyan, which was uh, produced by Amnesty International. So here I am sitting in front of her. Uh, you know, doing my job, translating the interview from Korean into English, my head is saying, what am how should I behave with this woman? Uh, this is not right, this is dangerous. And my heart yet is saying, oh, but you know, she looks like me, she, she's Korean, she speaks my language, we, we eat the same food. Um, she's, she looks like she's uh, my age. We both raised a family in England. What's wrong with this picture here? You know, the woman in me wants to know more about her, but my mind is saying, no, stop. Uh, You cannot get interested in her. So I had to do a massive uh, digging into my South Korean identity to uh, accept that, um, you know, dealing with people, was something very different from dealing with the regime and that work took me almost a year before i could digest what was going on and before i accepted um her proposition of uh, writing a book together so it took a long time for us to Mm -hmm get used to each other and to accept the idea that we were going to try to write a book together. That was a huge project.
0: Saylin, I appreciate that very genuine reflection. Uh, Jeheun, I'd love to know your your side of that experience when you first met Celin and then ultimately decided to collaborate on your story, this book that is absolutely riveting the hard road out. What emotions and feelings intellectually, mentally, were you having about sitting across from, say, Lin, who you had been taught as a child. You spent nearly three decades in uh, North Korea. What, was go- what, what similar struggle were you having?
2: Um, it was lots of struggles and pimples, and you know, the first, I didn't understand what is the personal emotions. Because it's my life in North Korea, I never experienced about the personal experience, the emotion uh, experience. The reasons that North Korea only allowed two emotions, one is the political emotions, and one is hate uh, emotions for South Koreans and Americans. So in my life in North Korea, we always respected uh, Kim dictators and emotions about the politically. If uh, Kim dictators are happy, we just is happy and smile. And also they angry to South Korea and America, we also hated to them. So I didn't understand these personal emotions. So when I uh, uh, met the sharing, So first time, you know, that I decided to write my books. So, you know, that my husband is the first that uh, said to me, if you trusted um, her 90, 90% and uh, just 1%, if you don't trust her, you never started this work. So that is true because it's all North Korea. It's the same as South Korea. It's the same still in North Korea teaching South Korean is our enemies, you know, and they also send uh, two red horns in there and many bigger people. <laughs> and the capitalism is, you know, the really bad system. So it is still reminded me. So that is why my husband is reminded to me if you don't believe to her 1%, you stopped this work because he understood if I started this work could be. I had another, you know, the problems or something that's so then 100% I trust her. And then after, you know, that I was really competent, And then, you know, the sharing is. That is a, another experience, you know, that I, I, I've I met the sharing is many, many times before we started the work. You know, the she's always is a smile in front of me and she's always is teaching to me the human side. So that is a really happy moment for me. So that's why I started work this time. So she is not quickly, you know, because she understands our situations. So she not directly questions, asking, pushed me. She never do that. She always is friendly, ask me questions, or she shared about the, her family members first. So that's why, that's the first I understood is uh, Sherry's father was a diplomatic. The I didn't know. So she told me that's her father's jobs and also father's experience. So it's similar, you know, the, my grandfather also born in South Korea, but in 1930s, he uh, went to the North Korea. So it's similar to so hometowns and sharing the experience was similar for my father and the father. So that is the first I started. I have to share my personal stories, but it was really uh, hard for me. You know, me reminded to my uh, experience. It is not easy. It's still, still, the, I talked about that is how did I work with Sherry. Sometimes I I've talked about that. It because it's still. The, uh, is um, hard, but when I started to walk and finished this work, now, you know, the, I found out that is my personal emotions and I found out that my smiles in front of me is a lot, in front of people is a lot. Yes, yeah, so now I am just 100% human in here.
0: Yeah. Jaehyun, it's a beautiful response. There are so many emotions that I am experiencing because as an honor to interview both of you. Primarily, this book is the journey of Ji-hyun's escape from North Korea. But Seilin, it also is equal parts your own challenging, your deeply entrenched mindsets and your own maturity and coming to terms with uh, deeply inculcated beliefs you had about other people. This is a story about an escape from North Korea. But it is also a gift to everyone who reads this about challenging what our own mindsets are around what we've been taught. Political views, cultural views, religious views. What do you hope beyond exposing the 75-year oppressive regime and what life is like in North Korea? And we'll come back and talk about that. What do you hope readers take Mm -hmm. away from this book?
1: Well, uh, you know, a lot of people around me uh, have said to me, you know, Jiyeon, you're so lucky. Uh, You wrote her story, you talk about the book on her behalf, you go around the world and um, uh, let the rest of the world know about her story. She's so lucky. Well, um, what they don't know, uh, and they find out about it as I do book talks, uh, what they don't know is how it changed me, Mm -hmm. the South Korean. Um, first of all, on a human level, and then second, uh, as, a, um, a, as a South Korean citizen, on a human level, you know, uh, when you uh, listen to somebody and with the idea of writing her story, um, you at first think about just being a passive listener and uh, collect information and uh, translate that into some sort of writing. Well, I was so wrong, because Jion wasn't opening herself up. I couldn't get anything out of her. I needed to write about, let's say, a scene in the market, uh, the colors of her clothes. Um, she, she would not uh, remember probably unconsciously, it was a page that was turned, she didn't want to go back. I was asking about some emotions, how she felt when uh, she, for example, fought with her sister. Um, I didn't get any of these answers. And that's when I realized that this had to be a different format. I was not ready to open myself at first. At first, it was going to be her story. And um, the more I uh, progressed in uh, interviewing her with the purpose of writing a book, the more I realized that this was going. It was. It would have to be a two-way project. If I wanted to, if I wanted her to open herself, rule well, number one was I had to open myself. That was very hard because I was not prepared to do that exercise. But that is the only way I was going to establish some sort of trust in our relationship and uh, make her understand that I am ready to tell you about me so you can tell me about yourself as well without any sense of threat or doubt. So that was number one thing that I did, open herself, make her feel comfortable. And then there was a human level and the fact that we were women i have to say helped a lot because she shared with me stories that she said that she would not even share with her own husband and um the fact that i was a woman allowed her to say things uh and i i i um i sort of took credit for it because i understood exactly what she was saying without having without needing um Complicated explanation. So, for example, she was abandoned by her mother. Her mother was abandoned by her grandmother, and she almost, she had almost abandoned her son. So, this is a a tragedy, a trauma that goes back three generations. This sort of trauma that a woman has of a mother having to abandon her child is not something that can be shared that easily she did with me and that was so powerful and she said that um, she was not sure what part of it is still with her or not and she was afraid of dealing with that issue these sort of things came up and that's when i realized oh my gosh, this is a a woman's story before all. So that was at the human level, if I may continue on to the South Korean citizen level. You know, when we grow up, we rightly uh, accept and digest the education that we have received from our parents, from school, and that's the way it should be. However, It's the first time uh, in my life I had to accept that uh, uh, mindsets can be changed. In other words, um, had I kept the same brainwashed uh, education uh, field uh, mindset, I would have never been able to write this book. Um, I realized that it is a matter of being able to pivot your mindset and that allows you to see the world differently. So, for example, when an artist works on a sculpture, you know, all dimensions have to be perfect. The front, the back, the side. Well, it's the same thing. When there is, when there's a scene in front of you, you know, I learned, Uh, through this process of writing the book with that there is only, there isn't only my way of seeing things, my way of seeing the world. There is her way of seeing the world, there is other people's way of seeing the same situation. And only when we have gone through all these different sides of one same situation, we can have a fair opinion of what's going on. And um, that I think that malaise, that um, sort of um, uh, unease uh, that exists, I believe, in every South Korean citizen's identity, has the root in in, in there. You know, we all know we have uh, we're a divided country. We all know that there is a North Korea beyond the thirtieth parallel. But what do we do? We we live our lives ignoring it because it's just much easier to ignore that part of our history than to deal with it. We just put it under the carpet. And uh, we keep pretending that um, that North Korea doesn't exist and South Korea just, you know, uh, goes along with uh, uh, their uh, Hallyu and their K-pop and K-drama and uh, all these things that everybody talks about when... Uh, When people mention South Korea, well, there is that, of course, but there is also, you know, a history that we have to integrate as part of our present life. You know, you cannot move forward unless you have accepted your past. And um, that is one big uh, step in my life that I have um, accomplished thanks to meeting Jeon and thanks to writing
0: the book. Thank you, Celine. I'm going to direct the next two questions to Jay Before I do that, I want to remind everyone who is watching and listening to this. You have to read this book. If you are subscribing to this podcast, you are living in a free and open society. Perhaps you are in Singapore or South Africa, perhaps you are in somewhere in the Europe, greater greater countries or North America, South America. You cannot comprehend what life for Jey was like in North Korea until you read this book. The privileges we take for living in a democratic society or even a socialist society or in a capitalist society are incomprehensible. The stories about her life and upbringing here will bring you a level of gratitude you have yet to experience in your life. This is a great book to read over the holidays because I had to put this book down. I'd read this book three or four pages and I had to put it down because it was so otherworldly. It was as if it was not a true story because it was so different from how I have been raised or anyone at the, at the depths of poverty in America. It's not like jae story. And I wanna, I Jae-hoon, ask you to talk about two particular parts of the book. First, I wanna talk about life in a North, a North Korean apartment building, because in and of itself that is a riveting political experience. And then later, I want to talk about your capture in China and the separation from your son and your time in the prison. Because I have three sons with my wife. And I I didn't get two pages into that story. And I had to stop reading the book, wondering what it would be like to be blindfolded and put into a cell and not know if I was going to be deported or not. And when I ever see my son again, I I couldn't even speak to it. First, let's talk about life in an apartment building. You share, Jae-hyun, all of the politics and the, the hierarchy of what it's like to live in a North Korean apartment and the fact that there is someone in charge and everyone has duties and there are curfews and time periods and everyone knows what everyone else is doing and it's incomprehensible even for people in America who might be living in a government-subsidized high-rise, or in a ghetto, or any situation, it is still my sense so far beyond that. Jae-hoon, would you share some of the politics and the experiences about life living in North Korea? And say, Lynn, did you want to make a comment there? I thought I saw your answer, okay. Jae-hoon, would you talk about, so our listeners and viewers can remotely even understand what it is like living in North Korea to this day.
2: Oh, thank you. I know that, you know, that many videos, Western videos, published totally wrong about the North Korea uh, issues. You know, that they all sharing about Kim Jong-un and Kim Jong-un's doctor and also you know, missiles, weapons and also these captures about the people. They're wearing the Korean hanbok. It's traditional clothes, and they always happy smiles in front of Kim dictators. But it's, it is totally wrong. That is only short message to outside worlds. It is not real North Korean life. So North Korea, we have got two different lives, Pyongyang citizens and also outside Pyongyang people. So we have got two different citizen cards, so Pyongyang people, they have got our Pyongyang citizen card, and then outside people, they have a different, it's the is the ID card. So this uh, identity card is could be modern slavery numbers. This card is not allowed any in societies, just only they taking your number, so your person. So in North Korea, we have got only one life, one life, that is political life. Because it's uh, the sung mentioned that uh, biology uh, life is important, but when you die, your body is just vanished, exist, gone. But political life, you joined this uh, our party, and then this political life is forever with us. So North Korea allowed only one political life. And they also allowed only one political language. They never allowed this personal language. So that's why in 2020, Kim Jong-un published another law, don't speak about the South Korean language. Because it's a South Korean language, is really friendly, and you know that they describe the loss of his personal emotions. So Kim Jong-un is really scared about the people who thinking about that is outside the countries. So that's why they destroyed all thinking, uh, personal thinking, languages, cultures. So these countries, uh, happened, the cultural genocide happened last 75 years, but all of the countries never mentioned about this one. And the second, you know, the many, uh, politics and academics, they described the North Korea as a socialism country. But North Korea is not a socialism country. This is a totalitarianism country, and still today is the respected Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il. They already died, but these dead bodies are still allowed in Pyongyang in the, uh, is some places. And the people still bow to dead bodies, in front of dead bodies. So, North Korea also, they have got another, uh, different ideology. That is a Juche ideology. And they have got 10 uh, commandments. That is a different religion commandment. That is a sung ideology. Kim Il-sung, 10 commandments. And also, they describing the people is a different levels. It's a Songbun systems. Divided people, elite and the middle class and the hostile classes. So this one is hate. Uh, is ideology for human. And then you know the so in North Korean society, every day, uh, one person look for five people every day. What do they do? What do they speak? What do they act? If they did or do wrong, then we contacted the police. So after these people disappeared, we don't know the, where these people gone. So this system is still happening in North Korea. So in nowadays, in COVID-19, COVID-19 is North Korea closed all border areas. So you know the, we didn't get any information from North Korea at the moment, but in this year, in September, is one family escaped from North Korea uh, to South Korea by seaside. And you know that he evidenced everything. How is society dying this moment? Also, this year is uh, the UN Food Agency also published that it's, uh, 11 million people died of man- uh, st- is the starvation and the money This is half populations in, in North Korea. So sometimes people think about that is my story was, is a past story, yeah. Because it's 1990s, you know that my uncle died of starvation. I escaped North Korea. Some people say your story is past. It is not now North Korea, but this is not past story. That is a real story. My people still died of starvation, still died of torture, and. The, Concentration camp and labor camp still in North Korea. It's many people in the imprisoned. Yeah, they really hard forced work, and the people separated family members, and the, you know that they not get any rice and the medicines. So it's completely dark hole in in North Korea. So I want to leaders or listeners they have to understand this North Korea systems. This country is a Kim country and uh, their ideology is different. This world never experienced this Juche ideology, these systems. These totalitarianism countries, we never learned about the histories. This only North Korea is uh, for 75 years now.
0: It, it is, it's a must read book. When you talk about how North Korean society is organized How the apartment buildings are managed. The spies, the people that are residents of the apartment buildings that are hired to maintain them and to um, uh, report any activity. Everything you do is watched. Your furniture is of the bare minimum. You sleep on the floor. You don't celebrate birthdays. It is just, it is a book that will instill gratitude in anyone, regardless of what you are suffering. It is a, a shocking representation of what is happening in this pariah nation 75 years on. Uh, Ceylin, I'm gonna come back to you in a moment, but I want to ask you again, Ji Hoon. would you share the story about your capture in China? You had studied the Chinese language you had a fake identity card. You were being interrogated by not the poli- not the police, but basically like the foreign ministry. You were separated from your child. You were blindfolded and, and, and taken to an interrogation room. You were put in jail, having no idea if you would be reunited with your child again. You were being told you were going to either you know go back to North Korea, and you could take your child with you or leave them there. Uh, Ji Hyun, will you tell that story? In the hopes that everyone listening to this is a little more grateful, is a little more appreciative, is a little more kind, is a little more, a little more endearing of the freedoms, the everyday freedoms that we take for granted around the world. Jihun, please retell that story.
2: Uh, nowadays, you know, the refugee issue is a global issues, but uh, everyone is forget about the North Korean refugees because it's a, this world never, understand and never know about the how North Korean refugees live in China. So in 1990s, when North Korea massive killing, you know, the three million people died of starvation. I know that is at the moment is the UN and all is the NGOs, they call it a massive bombing or some something that but I want to change this world. This is massive killing. It's a genocide happening in North Korea, 1990s. So it's three million people. That is not numbers. That's humans died of starvation in this moment. So that's time is, you know, that many people escaped North Korea, especially women and girls, because they have a the responsibility, they have family members. So same as me, so my father last week, she was to save my younger brother. And then we crossed the border, but you know that I was a human trafficking. It was my mother. Yes, I understood that, that time is uh, my mother, my sister, and my cousin, my younger brother, all in China. So I have to care about the uh is it my families. But the first time is, I didn't understand why. You know, that why. Because is I am also a child, my mother's a child, but not my sister, just only me. So first time I didn't understand, but I have to care about my family first. So so that's why first I talked about that it was just a real marriage. I never talked about that is human trafficking. And you know I never talked about that is human selling human. I never heard about that. But I was sold to Chinese men. But China is, you know, the uh, they they also really poor country. But it's uh, later, it's uh, later nineteen eighties they engaged the economics, and then people they have got lots of rice. So first time, you know, the when I arrived in China, they have lots of food, but people didn't educations. So it's the same, it's Chinese people, and some people, you know, that they can't write their names because they didn't uh, go to school. So that's why it's many people, they didn't understand the Chinese. They they own languages, own words they didn't understand. But for me, I did learn about the Chinese character in North Korea, so I understood better than to them. And then I quickly learned my uh, Chinese words uh, because it's uh, I have a child, I have to uh, care about the, my child first. But in five years after, it's you know the Chinese authorities, not is police, is the foreign ministers came to my house. So first time is you know that I didn't understand. But now you know that I I am activities so I knew got more information It's two thousand three. a Chinese the Communist Party. They made one campaign, it's a hunting North Koreans. That campaign is still happening in China. So many Chinese people looking for North Korean uh, refugees and then contacted to police after the Chinese Communist Party paid the money to them. So it's a hunting campaign, is more dangerous to North Korean refugees. So that's why you know the I, I was working in market. Uh, selling my own is, uh, dishes and, you know, the powder is everything so because it's, I want to survive and also care about my child. I didn't do any crimes or I didn't do any wrong things uh, these times, but they contacted me. Uh, it's uh, the foreign ministers. Uh, the reason that is uh, they really angry for me uh, because it's, uh, my business was growing up a success, but their business was worse, worse. So that's why they just contacted me, the foreign ministers. So then 10 a.m., 10 p.m. is midnight. 10 authorities came to my house and they arrested me and they have two different, two cars. So in front car, I was there and the, deep, in the back the car is uh, my son. And then when I arrived at this uh, police stations and I begged to this foreign minister, it's, uh, uh, it's, uh, to them. i want only spoke to my son once because I wanted to say goodbye, my son, and wait me. Because I didn't know that I was a survivor or escaped again. Yeah, I didn't know, but I have to say some word to my son, but they're not allowed to me. And then they send to me is a halving prison. So I stayed in Harbin prison. And then, you know, the one day I heard that is my son's voice in outside is a uh, reception areas. He broke is my clothes and shoes. And he just, he just said, where is my mom? And then, you know, I shouted, tor, mom is in here. But he didn't listen to me because he's, I was inside the prison and he was in reception. But they're not allowed to me. they never allowed to me. And after my son boy is gone and then his prison door is open and they just gave to me black box and told me that that is your son's gift for you. So when I opened this pocket, uh, is it the... Uh, uh, this, this box, and then, you know, the, my son brought me my jumper. That is, I really loved, because I have won this jumper. Uh, when I bought this jumper with my son, so he knew that is, I love this jumper. So he brought me this jumper and also shoes. So that was my last moment. I just heard my son's voice behind me. And then I sent back to North Korea. So, in North Korea prison, I think so many people can't imagine. It's lots of movies in this uh, these times, and they sometimes are describing this presence, But you never never imagined, never imagined this uh, North Korea presence. It's unspeakable and inhumanity, and could be people unbelievable. I don't know. How can I describe this This one is by English? Yeah.
0: Jihoon, you are brave and you are courageous. And this is a, a horrifying story that you have courageously shared with the world. There are so many points that I want to discuss, but I want people to buy the book because I think you and your Partner Salin deserve the recognition and the reward, if you will, of painstakingly documented what has been a horrifying journey. This is a beautiful story that I implore all of our listeners and viewers to invest in. The Hard Road Out, One Woman's Escape from North Korea, Salin Che and Jehun Park. Thank you for your courage and your time today. We wish you a peaceful holiday and great joy in your family as well. Thank you for your time today.
1: Thank you so much for having us.
0: Thank you, Jason. Thank You. you so much. And we'll see you back here next week for a new conversation on leadership.